0: Bismillah, wa alhamdulillah wa salatu ala rasulillah assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh continue with our journey through hasan al-muslim we're in the section talking about the adhan and the adhan and the azkar pertaining to that so we have now with us one more to take in this section talking about the adhan and the iqama etc the prophet or the author he mentions yad'u li nafsihi bayna al-adhan wa al-iqama fa inna that the person, when the adhan has been made, so between the adhan and the iqama, the person should make du'a for themselves. For in this time, the du'a is not going to be rejected, insha'Allah. And we have the hadith which confirms this. The hadith narrated by Imam Tirmidhi, where Anas ibn Malikin radiAllahu anhu, he reports from the Prophet sallallahu du'a la that the dua between the adhan and the iqama is not rejected, right? It's answered by the permission of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. قلوا, they said, The companions, upon hearing this from the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi wasallam, they said, "What should we say, O Messenger of Allah?" He said, "Qal fi dunya wal Ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala for the Afiya in the dunya and the akhirah." So. First and foremost, the thing that we take from this is that those of us who are praying in the Masjid, we should get to the Masjid early. Why? We want to get to the Masjid early so that we can benefit from this time between the Adhan and the iqama. And also getting to the Masjid early has great benefits. You can pray the Sunnah, you can sit there and make dua to Allah جل, you prepare your mind and your soul for the Salah which is about to be established. As opposed to the one who gets to the Masjid late and the person is rushing, And by the time they've gotten to the Salah, it takes them at least the first three Raka'ah to calm down and to get in in touch with what they're actually doing. To be mindful of what they're actually doing. So when you get to the Masjid early, you have time to become mindful of the act of worship which you are about to embark upon. And you have time to make Dua between the Adhan and the Iqama, which is the Shahid, which is the point that we're trying to make here. And it's a blessed time. So the Prophet ﷺ guides us to make dua between adhan and iqama, and the believer is always excited to know that there are times which Allah has chosen or determined wherein that the believer will have his or her duas answered. So this excites the believer because the believer loves to make dua to Allah knowing that all good is in the hands of Allah knowing that all good is from Allah and Allah loves to give good to his slaves who call upon him Taala. So like the business person in this world or the person seeking the dunya when they know that they can make a quick profit when they know that they can embark upon a trade that is going to be easy for them and it's going to be you know, um, profitable for them in this period of time they'll make all the effort that they can for that particular trade to be profitable for example you find people when they, the sales are on the sales are on for a short period of time however they will queue up for hours before the sales actually start hoping to benefit from that time where the sales are on and we as believers we have to have something like this when it comes to the times wherein Allah and the Prophet have told us that these particular times your dua is more likely to be answered, right? so in these times we should be excited to make dua to Allah knowing that he has gifted that to us certain times in certain places the dua is more likely to be answered uh, so the prophet ﷺ said between the adhan and the iqama, a question that p- to be discussed is is this also applicable to the sisters to the women who don't pray in the masajid and other people even who don't pray in the masajid for for a valid reason and the answer is yes inshallah we hope from allah Subh'anaHu wa ta'ala that this time is also blessed for them however this time for them is from after the adhan has taken place till the time they start their fard salah, right? So, for example, the person can go ahead and pray their sunnahs and they can go ahead and do whatever they're doing in the house or the workplace. And then, if there's time left between the time of the adhan and the time of the actual fard prayer, then that is the time that they would spend making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as mentioned by Sheikh Sa'd al Khathlan in his uh, explanation to this question when it was asked. So also the women who are not praying in the Masajid, they can also benefit from the Dua between the Adhan and the iqama inshaAllah. And the iqama for them will be the time when they establish their obligatory prayer. Okay. So the Hadith says, La that the Dua is not rejected. So as the scholars, they say if the if the uh, the causes for the du'a to be accepted by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala are established, right? The causes for the du'a to be accepted by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala are established. Like you have iman, you have taqwa, uh, you are upon wudu, you are facing the qibla, and other matters. When tafat al and the things which prevent one from having the du'a established are removed, قال طيبي رحم الله the scholar Atibi, he said, <coughs> That the dua between the adhan and the iqama is not rejected due to the honor and the specialness uh, due to the honor and the nobility of this time between the adhan and the iqama وإذا كان الوقت أشرف كان ثواب فيه أكثر And the more that the time is designated by Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala to have value and honor then the more the act of worship in that time is rewarded by Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la. So the point being that in this time Inshallah by the permission of Allah when the person makes dua between the adhan and the iqama then it's not going to be rejected. However there are time, there is there are cases that people do make dua in the times which they know to be virtuous like between the adhan and the iqama however the duas are still not accepted. Why is that the case? It could be number one that they are involved in major sins and as we know major sins they prevent one's du'as at times from being answered it could be the case that yes Allah will even answer the du'a of a sinner however it's something that we need to be careful that if we are in major sins it's likely that our du'as are not going to be answered as mentioned in the hadith alluded to the hadith in Sahih Muslim where the Prophet ﷺ, in part of it ذكر الرجل يطيل Ash'ath uh, يَمُدُّ يَدَيْهِ يَقُولْ يَا رَبِّ يَا رَبِّ So the Prophet in this hadith, in the part of the hadith, in Sahih Muslim, he mentioned a person on a journey. So when a person is travelling, we know that this is one of the causes for your dua to be answered. right The person who is travelling, it's one of the times when the dua is going to be answered. أَشْعَثْ Akbar. So this person, his hair is all dishevelled and he's covered in dust due to the hardship of that journey. And he raises his hands to the heavens when making the dua. And raising your hands is also one of the reasons that help your dua to be answered. And he says, Ya Rab, Ya Rab, He calls upon Allah with Tawheed, Tawheed al Rububiya. And this is also a way to help your dua to be answered. So three things are there. He's traveling, he's raising his hands, and he's calling upon Allah Subh'anaHu wa ta'ala in, in Tawheed, Ya Rab, Ya Rab. Then the Prophet says, وَمَطْعَمُهُ حَرَامِ وَمَشْرَبُهُ حَرَامِ وَغُذِيَ بِالْحَرَامِ لَهُ That the Prophet ﷺ said, even though these three things are there, that would, would likely help his dua to be answered. However, his food is gotten from haram sources, his drinking is gotten from haram sources, and his malbas, his clothing is from haram sources. وَغُذِيَ بِالْحَرَامِ And in general, his nourishment and his livelihood is from haram sources. So how is it going to be then that his du'a will be answered, the Prophet ﷺ said. So this is imperative imperative for us to remember. That one of the things that prevent us, maybe, and that we should be scared of from having our du'as prevented from being answered, is falling into major sins, right? Another reason why the du'a may not be answered, even though you are making du'a in these special blessed times or, and places, is that maybe it's the case that Allah is choosing for you Something better than what you are making dua for, right? So maybe it's the case that you're making dua to be married to a particular woman or a particular man But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not allowing this to happen because he knows that that person is going to be bad for you So the delay in the response is due to a wisdom that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows and you do not know Wallahu ya'lamu wa antum la ta'lamun as Allah says Allah knows and you do not know so, whenever the, dua, the response to the dua is being delayed, as long as we are upon obedience to Allah Azza wa we should be happy knowing that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is going to choose for us that which is best. Another reason as to why the dua may be delayed in answering is because maybe Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala loves hearing you call upon Him and He loves that you are getting closer to Him by making these dua. So, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala delays the response of your dua because He wants to hear your voice calling upon Him with humility and devotion. And there's many other reasons as to why the dua may not be answered, but in all cases the person doesn't lose out when making dua because du'a is an act of worship that is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your Lord says, Call upon me and I will make du'a to you and I will answer your du'as. Right? And the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith in Tirmidhi a dua huwa al That du'a it is the reality of an act of it, it is the reality of worship because you are humbling yourself before Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala you are admitting to Allah that you are in complete poverty and in complete need of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala so when one acknowledges this this brings them closer to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala and they experience sweetness in the acts of worship that they are doing which is the dua so we always remember that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is completely generous completely rich and that we should make du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often and we should never be despondent or despair if our du'as are not being answered and we should recognize that it's upon us to change our state to become closer to Allah through doing more obedience and through seeking forgiveness and to recognize that whatever Allah Azzawajal is choosing for us if we are on a state upon a state of obedience then it's going to be good for us so we, sh- we should never despair and in the hadith that I asked him so what should we say O Messenger of Allah the Prophet said سَلُّ اللَّهُ الْعَافِيَةَ Dunya الدُّنْيَ وَالْآخِرَةَ ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for al-afiyah in the dunya in the akhira al bi ma'na, al bi ma'na as-salama min al-afat diniyya wa dunyawiya ay an yuslam al-insanu fi badnihi wa an yuslama fi dinihi. <coughs> this word al it's a very comprehensive term it basically means that You are free from any harms and defects that may befall you in this worldly life or befall you upon your religion. So it's a very comprehensive word which is covering every situation that you may find yourself trying to run away from. Of course that's what we're doing in life we're trying to run away from that which is harmful and we're trying to run away run towards that which is beneficial so this is the word al-afiyah we ask Allah for al-afiyah in the dunya and the akhira meaning that Allah put us in a state and make us remain in a state which is free from all harms and shortcomings and bringing only that which is full of blessings to us and full of goodness whether it be in our worldly life or whether it be pertaining to our dini our affairs our religious affairs the acts of worship which will bring us to safety in the hereafter insha'Allah so we ask Allah for the in the dunya and the Akhira a well, state of well-being in this life and in the next, Ameen then we move on after having spoken about the um, du'as and the adhkar pertaining to the uh, to the adhan we move on now and we start the new section wherein the author he brings forth du'as and adhkar pertaining to the prayer itself. So we start with the du'as which is known as Istiftah as Okay, al adiya Al-Istiftah The du'as which are pertaining to the opening of the salah, the du'as you say in the beginning of the salah. So one of them, as narrated in Sahih Muslim from Abu anhu, where he said قَالْ كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عليه وَسَلَّمَ إِذَا كَبَّرَ فِي قَبْلَ إِنْ يقرأ. That the Prophet وسلم, when he would stand in the prayer and he would make the takbir, after takbir, it would be noticed that he would be silent for a short period of time. Before he started to read the Salah, before he started to read Surah Al-Fatiha, فَقُلْتُ يَا رسول الله بأبي أنت وأمي أرأيت سكوتك بين التكبير So Abu Huraira. he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah وسلم, may my father and mother be sacrificed for you you know that time that you are silent after the takbir and before you start the recitation in the salah ma what do you say so the prophet ﷺ said aqulu I say Allahumma ba'id bayni wa Oh Allah distance me oh, I'll read the du'a and will will uh, translate it and explain it word by word in a bit inshallah. Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaaya kama ba'adta al al-mashriqi wal-maghribi. Allahumma naqqini min khatayaaya kama yunqqath thawbul abyad min al danasi Allahumma Allahumma ghsilni min khatayaaya bil-ma'i wa bi-thalji wal-ma'i wal-barad. Okay, so this is the narration where Abu Hurairah narrates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi is silent after having said the takbir, after having said Allahu Akbar and before this, before he starts the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha so Abu Harayr, anhu, being the keen, keen companion as many of the companions were they would notice every single detail about the Prophet and they noticed that at this point the Prophet wouldn't say anything in the Salah he would remain silent so they asked the Prophet what is it that you are doing at that point and this is the beauty of the companions Radiallahu anhum that they never left out anything which was beneficial to them and of course beneficial to us because they are the ones who narrated the deen to us from the prophet sallallahu so an important point here is is that if the prophets if the companions Radiallahu anhum didn't narrate to us from the prophet sallallahu that he did such and such or they themselves didn't do such and such then we should not do it Right? if we find that an action was not done by the companions عنهم, or it was not narrated to us from the companions in an authentic manner then we shouldn't do it because the deen is completed at the time of the Prophet and at the time of the companions and there is nothing that would benefit us or bring us closer to Allah except that the companions told us about it and nothing that would keep us away from the pleasure of Allah except that the companions told us about it upon the tongue of the Prophet so then, we say that Allah, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he said in the narration, "Allah ma ba'id biini wa bayna khatayya." Oh Allah, distance me. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in this dua is Allah asking Allah for distance between him and the sins that one may fall into. والمراد من مباعدة محرومة مضى من الذنوب السابقة وعدم الوقوع في ذنوب اللاحقة. And the intent for this word, "Oh Allah, distance me," Allah ma ba'id, Allah ba'idni. Oh allah keep me distant is that the intent is that you are asking allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove from you the effect of the previous sins that you may have fallen into and to keep you away from any future sins that you may fall into allah oh mubaidni bayni wa bayna allah bayni wa bayna allah distance me from my sins and my mistakes right distance me from the effects of my sins and the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that may fall upon me due to these sins and prevent me from falling into any future sins. As you have distance between the East and the West. Right? Imam Sanaani he mentions here that look at the words that have been chosen. As you have distance between the East and the West, keep me so far away from my mistakes and the effects of my mistakes and falling into any future mistakes like you have kept the East distant from the West and also like the East and the West they cannot join they cannot touch likewise keep us away from ever joining or touching any sins that may come across our path in the future so it's a complete begging of Allah to stay completely far away and free from sins as much as possible Allahumma naqqini and then the person says Allahumma Allah purify me majaz wa mahwi and it is Relating to be purified from the sins and the effects of the sins Min Okay, you say Allahumma ba'idh ni, Allahumma ba'idh bayni wa bayna khatayayya Allahumma naqqini min khatayaya Oh Allah purify me from my sins as in one of the narrations. Min khatayaya, what is this word min khatayaya mean? Imam al-Tibi he says rahimullah al-khitaya as-sogair Khitaya means the the minor sins So you're saying Allah purify me From my minor sins. (laughs) Allah, mannaqini min khatayaya. Sometimes we take it easy with regards to the small sins because we think that, okay, it's only a minor sin, it's not going to have much of a problem or much of an effect. But we need to remind ourselves that mountains are made from stones. So each time the small sin is committed, it leads, leaves a black dot on our heart as mentioned by the Prophet ﷺ, until may Allah preserve us and protect us it could be the case that somebody so often committing the small sins and so many of them that it ends up covering the heart in blackness wherein the person is in a very serious situation pertaining to the Iman and also it's never the way of the righteous that they take small sins lightly because they know as mentioned by Abdullah ibn Anhu. In Tirmidhi, that he, Abdullah ibn Masoodin عنه, said إِنَّ الْمُؤْمِنِ يَرَاد كأنه, كَأَنَّهُ فِي أَصْلِ يَخَافُ أَنْ يَقَعَ عَلَيْهِ That the believer, the true believer sees their sins as though they are sitting at the bottom of a mountain and the mountain is about to fall upon them. That's how fearful they are of their sins. وَإِنَّ الْمُنَافِقْ ذُنُوبَهُ كَأَنَّهُ ذُبَابَ وَقَعَ ala فَقَالَ بِهِ And the Munafiq, the hypocrite, the one weak of faith, or the one absent of faith, he or she sees their sin as though it's just a fly that has landed upon their nose and they just wipe it away. Yani a sin of no consequence. Whereas the believer understands that the more they commit these minor sins they could easily lead the person to fall into major sins very likely because the Iman gets weaker and weaker the more you commit the minor sins so the true believer is one who is on guard from the minor sins as well as the major sins and seeks forgiveness from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la for all so after saying min khataaya, ya Allah purify me from my minor sins like, كما ثوب like you purify the white thobe from any stains that fall upon it. So, like a person would purify a white thobe from any stains that fall upon it. Why was the white color mentioned in clothing? Because the white color, when it has dirt on it, the person has to be extra careful to remove the effect of that stain okay it has to be a very thorough removing whereas if it's a dark colored clothing you can leave the effect of the stain and it's not going to be noticed easily so we're asking Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la to remove from us our sins in a complete manner which leaves behind no effect or no trace of that sin and then the person says oh Allah purify me and wash me from my sins okay my mistakes like uh, with water and ice and snow. Okay, so why use the uh, words water, ice and snow? Because sins is that which burns. Sins is that which leads you to the fire. So the sins, it has the 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 description of being burning because it can burn a person in the hellfire. And also it burns away the blessings in this life and it burns away the imam that a person may be on. So it's uh, munasib, it's appropriate that we are making dua to Allah to remove that which is burning us, which is the sins with water, ice and snow etc. Okay? And this dua, this opening dua that we're discussing, dua al istiftah, the opening dua of the salah is appropriate. Why is it appropriate? Because now you want your sins to be removed and also you're thinking about the fact that you're going to do an act of worship which is going to remove your sins inshallah, by Allah's permission which is the uh, which is the Salah itself as mentioned in Sahih Muslim the Prophet said Do you not see that if one of you was to have a river in front of their house and the person was to wash in that river five times a day Would there be any um, filth left upon that person? No, O Messenger of Allah, no dirt will be left upon that person who washes five times a day in the river which is in front of their house. The Prophet said, likewise, that is the example, the similitude of the one who prays five times a day. Then the person doesn't have any sins, inshaAllah, the small sins left upon them. So this is something that we need to reflect upon reflect upon the meanings contained in this beautiful dua that we ask Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep us far away from our sins like the distance of the east and the west and to keep us far away from the effects of those sins and we ask Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala to purify us uh, from our sins in the ways which was mentioned in this dua anything which was correct was from Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala the shortcomings and mistakes were from myself and Shaytan Inshallah, we'll see you in the next session, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.